Everybody and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. Chip Murphy here, or Mac is still here with Chip Murphy, is what I should say. As I have this weird meeting being recorded message, usually it pops up on its own and then like disappears on its own, but it wasn't going anywhere and it just threw off my vibe, Chip. It just threw it all off. Like I was ready. But they anyway, changed the Zoom. They changed all the yeah, Zoom settings. It, it, it's it's really creepy too. The little voice that comes. This meeting is being recorded. Like it used to not do that. Like it, it, it it's 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 just weird for me. Uh, but as I mentioned, Mac is still here with Chip Murphy. But we're not important. We're not important at all. I'll tell you who is important. That is our guest, Mike Vorkanov of the Athletic. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and joining us on this podcast. How have you been? Good, though. I wouldn't say I'm important either, so I guess that's just three <laughs> unimportant people taping a podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that, Mike. You do you do an excellent job, have a big following, so Nick fans love to hear from you. Uh, so it's a treat to have you on here and, and talk a little Nick's hoops uh, as well, maybe even uh, some about the NBA Finals that are getting ready to take place as well here. But, Mike, one of the big things that we, we have – been talking about the last several weeks on the podcast, of course, now mixing the off season, uh, you know, we, the draft lottery, you know, we know the draft is coming up, you know, looking at prospects, but one of the big conversations right now is do the Knicks go ahead and try to make a trade for a star? Uh, I've seen some other rumors as well uh, for other names that the Knicks are looking to add somebody uh, and Mike, just just from your your insights on it, you know, how, how likely is it, or or how much weight do these r- rumors hold in the place? The Knicks are looking to be aggressive and make a big move. I, you know, players like R.J. Barrett have been mentioned is available for trade. You know, do you think Barrett is somebody that they're willing to move with? And is it possible that a Nick trade could happen in this off season or maybe early on next season? I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if a trade happens. Um, I think that the Knicks have really just a very flexible roster, uh, forward-looking uh, situation, basically, between you know, the roster, their cap situation, and the amount of draft picks that they have. Um, I don't know that – I don't think I've seen any reporting that says that R.J. Barrett has been thrown in trades or anything like that. Um, I, I would say, like, if they're going to be in the Damian Lillard chase, which they might be if, like, if that thing ever gets to a point where – uh, the Blazers decide that they want to trade Damian Lillard, have to trade Damian Lillard, like whatever the, the context of that is going to be. Um, I assume that if the Knicks and, and the Blazers talk about it, like they will be talking about RJ Barrett. You know, I think that'll be inescapable. I'm sure that's a player that the Blazers would want if they were to, you know, eventually put together or try to put together a trade with the Knicks. It's understandable, right? He's a really good young player. He's like 20 still, I think. Um, and uh, just was – I like the second best player on uh, the number four seed in the East. And, you know, that's, you know, if you look at the types of superstar trades that have been made in the last few years, it's usually involved the young player with all-star potential. And that's who that is on the Knicks roster right now more than, you know, I literally, that's the only guy on the roster right now, I think. Um, 
So I, I would think that it would, you know, eventually like that's where the trade discussions would go. So like, it wouldn't be a surprise if, you know, three months, two months, a month down the line, if there's like a report saying, you know, RJ Barrett involved in Blazers Knicks trade talks. So it's like, well, duh. Yeah. That's where this is always going to go. Um, it doesn't mean that it'll get done, but I think, I think that could be something down the line. But again, this is all, this is all on the, uh, the pretext that Damian Lord does one out of Portland and we just don't know that yet. Yeah, I think we're a ways away from him actually demanding a trade first. I think he's just planting the seeds, kind of saying he may be upset. But I think he, it feels like he wants to play for Chauncey Billups first and, and see how that goes. But you brought up R.J. Barrett, and there was a lot of talk, obviously, about Damian Lillard trades. And it makes sense that he would be linked to the Knicks because the Knicks have so many picks, assets to get him. But I think the biggest topic of discussion was – should the Knicks include R.J. Barrett in a Damian Lillard trade, which I don't think there's any way around it, they, they would have to. That Why would the Blazers accept the Knicks trade offer unless they put R.J. in? And I think most Knicks fans were like me and Matt, where we didn't think R.J. should be included for Dame. But, Mike, do you think that R.J. Barrett should be untouchable for any player in the NBA? Is he at that point for you, or do you think he should be available? No, I mean, he's he's not for me. Um, you know, I don't really think anyone is untouchable if the deal is right. Uh, there's, like, maybe, like, what, 10 guys, really, that you probably shouldn't be trading that it would just be hard to upgrade on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't really believe in untouchable-type players. It, it all depends on the trade and what that looks like. Uh, you know, I think the important thing is, like, what is the deal going to be, right? Like, what is then your plan? You know, since we're talking about the lower trade, it's like not only is like, okay, trade for Damian Lillard, step two, question mark, question mark, you know, step three, profit. It's like, what is that going to look like after you trade for Damian Lillard? How do you yeah. plan to replace the production that you lost by trading Barrett or whoever else along with that deal, right? Like you can't just be like, all right, Randall Nerd, let's go. Like that's that makes you what, maybe a second round team in the East, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams with multiple stars right now. So it's it's really about what the entirety of the plan is. And so that doesn't happen all at once. It's not like that gets revealed, especially by the Knicks, uh, all in one day, all in one press conference. Um, so that's the way I would look at it. Like, no, I don't think anyone is really untradeable. Uh, save for a few guys. And, and so to me, it's just more like, what's the trade look like? Uh, what is the context of everything happening? And so that just becomes a much more hypothetical and probably long-winded conversation. Right. And if you put Mitch and quickly in the deal too, and you really start to add up the young prospects, then you're really gutting the roster. And if you... Plus the draft picks. And, yeah, plus and the draft picks. That, that's where we more look at it as might be a little too much, a little too steep to move. Yeah, move on from them there. Is that is you know if that's fair to say? Yeah, and then why would Damian Lillard want to come here? And then to like you said, only lose in the second round again to come to another team where he's not on a championship contender. I mean, I don't know if the draft picks make it too steep. Like, um, you know, I, I would. I think the the allure of draft picks is always great, but I think probably the reason why you're seeing draft picks get traded more often now. Um, you know, it's probably an executive's understanding. They uh, they have a little bit more incentive to win immediately, but also just like, you know, the historical value of draft picks isn't that high, right? Like, what yeah. are you going to get with a 21st overall pick? Like, what is the expected uh, value of that, right? Like, you know, everyone has high, like, high hopes for like the number eight, number nine pick. 
Uh, historically, that's just getting you like a good rotation player on average. Um, is that someone you wouldn't trade away for Damian Lillard? I would. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about later in the first round, I, I'm okay with trading away first round picks. I would rather have the good players now and then try to acquire more second round picks because you can probably find those uh, type of good players, you know, early into late in the second round too. Like it all comes down to having good scouting. I also don't believe in, in I guess, basically that there are teams that are good at drafting. I think so much of it is based to do with luck and context mm-hmm. um, that uh, you shouldn't just bank on keeping those picks because you think you'll be the team that figures out drafting unlike all the others, and you're definitely giving away good players in the future. Yeah, that's a great point. That's something we talked about, you know, in the past about the draft itself. I mean, the NBA draft seems to be like the most difficult draft, uh, draft compared to some other sports. You know what I mean? Like it's – you're more than likely to get something wrong than one right. You only get a certain amount of picks, things like that, certain amount of players come in. So that that is a good point with the later picks that, you know – maybe you do move on from it because not necessarily that means those picks are going to work out. That's, that's a pretty interesting uh, point that I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about right there. Um, you know, but is, you know, you, you, you look at the possibility of a big trade and the last podcast we had, Mike, you know, me and Chip were talking about free agencies and, and some of the guys that are on the market in this summer coming up and perhaps uh, instead of looking to, make a trade, possibly deplete some of your roster, maybe some of those draft assets. Um, Is it wiser perhaps to maybe target somebody like a a Kyle Lowry? Uh, You look like a a veteran point guard at the level of what Chris Paul just was able to do with Phoenix this year. You know, maybe instead of making a trade for, um, you know, Damian Lillard or something, you go out very aggressively after somebody like Kyle Lowry. Do you think that's something the Knicks can can look into instead of making a move to lose some of their assets here and be aggressive in some of these uh, top free agents that are in the class this year? Yeah, I think that's something that they'll look into. Like, you know, if um, I think Kyle Lowry would be a great signing for them if he's willing to go there. You know, he's, I think he's 35 now, so, like, he's at that stage in his career – um, where he probably only wants to play for teams that are conference finals or finals contenders. So I don't think the Knicks are there yet, but maybe they can convince him to come with uh, enough money. And also, um, you know, maybe he just wants to play in New York. But yeah, for sure. I, I think if they can go for him, I like Gordon Dragic. Um, I think you can make an argument for Mike Conley. All those like, sh- you know, those would be players on short term kind of balloon payment types of deals where it might cost the Knicks like, one year, $30 million for Kyle Lowry or something like that. Um, but I think that would be a signing well worth it because he's a really good player. And I think he'd be like a prototypical Tibbs type of player and he'd give the Knicks something they need at a position of need and it buys them more time to find a point guard of the future. Um, and as you said, it means you don't give away draft picks and young players. And so you still have that uh, in store, whether to develop and to get production from the next season or, or uh, to have it available if, uh, if someone else comes on the trade market later on. Is that realistic, though, the one-year balloon contract? Because I feel like we talk about that every year with, with good older players, and nobody ever really signs those anymore. Like, J.J. Redick signed one that one year, but right. like players of Lowry's status never really sign those, do they? No, I mean, maybe it means going two years, you know, $60 million for Kyle Lowry or something like that. I have to check yeah, with yeah. The, uh, the over 36 rule. 
mm. in the CBA says, because I'm going to Google it right now. Kyle Lowry is 35. 35, yeah. He's 35. All right, so he just turned 35, yeah. So, I mean, maybe it means two years, like 60 million, something like that. But, yeah. he, you know, if you can work out a short-term uh, deal for him where the money is enough, um, then maybe it's something that can happen. It, you know, you have to try, right? I think, like, I'm sure they'll be – they're a pretty smart front office. So I'm sure they'll be kind of exhausting every avenue. Um, and, you know, they really do need to upgrade a point guard, even if they bring back Derrick Rose, which Derrick Rose seemed to be pessimistic on uh, himself as he was doing his uh, post-playoff press conference. So if, if he's not coming back, then I think, you know, then it's really like, okay, what are the Knicks trying to do with that position and in terms of their roster overall? But you're right. Like, I think those are rare, those big one-year balloon payments. Um, but uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Maybe Kyle Riley feels like next summer is better for him as a free agent, or he just wants to grab as much uh, money as he can, and he thinks that you know something like one year, thirty-one million, is better for him now combined with whatever he gets in free agency next season. I don't know. You never know what the guy is thinking, right? Like, there's so many variables that go into play, and I think part of the reason um, Lowry might be amenable to it, and uh, you know, might even consider it is just the city, uh, the playoff situation, and, and all these types of things. Yeah, no idea. And he's also Philly guy, so there's going to be the Sixers are obviously going to be linked to him. But he is an East Coast guy, so that's why the Knicks, I'm sure, will be linked. But we have no idea if he just wants another ring, and he may want to – I'm sure the Heat are going to be contenders for him. But, yeah, no idea with Lowry. But there's also the the Chris Paul uh, link. The Knicks have been linked to Chris Paul since he was in Oklahoma City, since he, before he got traded to Phoenix. And – I mean, they're going to be linked to him again. I assume he's going to opt out of his player option I, because he played outstanding again this year. And do you think that – I mean, I'm sure they'll be interested in bringing him in. Do you think there's any chance he even leaves Phoenix, depending on whether they win the finals or not? I don't know. They're the favorites right now, but I, I know the Knicks will be interested. Do you think that – uh, they could pick him up or I, I wonder if the Suns might offer him an extension on top of uh, the last year remaining in his deal if he opts in and then they extend him on top of that I think that's possible again someone check my CBA work um, but you know that's also a possibility where he doesn't even opt out and hit free agency but I would think you know I think the athletic I think it was us uh, our Sam Amick that reported it earlier this season that he was the one who chose the Suns because he wanted uh, to be on the West Coast because his family is in LA, and so okay. if that's you know that was his priority uh, last November, I you know I assume that might still be the priority for him, especially now that the Suns are you know, pretty damn good, right? They just got to the finals, yeah. uh, even if they lose, like that's a finals team. And so uh, if he goes out east, you know what's the compelling interest for him? Is it New York? I mean, he's a big enough star already. Is it you know just reuniting with Leon Rose, his former agent? Maybe. Uh, but I'd guess at that, you know, at this point in his career, he'd want to play for the best team possible. And if this is also the one that's, you know, closest to his family, like that seems like a pretty good situation. Now, one of the things that, you know, happened, and I know changing gears from free agency kind of bouncing around, but we were just talking a little about uh, R.J. Barrett. But, of course, uh, with the Olympics right around the corner, uh, Team Canada, despite having eight players that are on the NBA, they, they did not qualify for the Olympics. How disappointing is that just from the Knicks aspect of being able to watch RJ Barrett play uh, in the Olympics in the terms of his development that, you know, they, they miss out and that could be a valuable learning experience, more playing time for him. 
Uh, the, just to talk a little bit about the disappointment there with um, R.J. Barrett and Team Canada not, not getting one of the spots. Yeah, I'm sure they're probably disappointed. Like, he wanted to get those high-level reps in the Olympics, right? Um, and it seems like he had a pretty prominent role in that Team Canada. I think it was him and Andrew Wiggins who were the, kind of the main two scoring options and playmaking guys uh, for that team. And so, yeah, uh, I'm sure the Knicks would prefer that he played in the Olympics uh, rather than he didn't. But it's probably better for his development if he did. But I, I, I imagine there's, like, you know, not a – I imagine that it's not like a lot of disappointment. I mean, some franchises, if you remember, I think Dallas and Mark Cuban have said this, like didn't even want their players playing the Olympics in mm-hmm. certain years just because of the injury risk. So uh, I think the Knicks have done that in the past as well, where they didn't want certain players uh, playing in like, you know, I think it was the FIBA World Cup or some kind of international tournament like that. So uh, I think there's always like risk and reward to those types of things. And just to piggyback off of that, since we're on the Olympics, Julius Randle doesn't, doesn't get an invite. What's up with that? Uh, apparently, he was close. I don't know. I mean, I would have taken him over Jeremy Grant and uh, Kevin Love, but they don't let me pick uh, Olympic teams. It was. It was. I mean, it, it, I don't get it. And I, I, I host a radio show here, and I kind of joke around. You know, um, we we have a little fun with the guarantees that uh, Charles Barkley does on Inside the NBA. So we have a, a guaranteed segment where we, you know, we play audio of his you know, for the week and all that. But then we come up with, like, outrageous guarantees and all that. My guarantee, I already locked in. Julius Randle's winning MVP next season. And the Olympic team doesn't even add him on to it. I, you know, I, I, just, I just don't get it there. But I just figured, why not piggyback off of that? But now I, I, I'm changing gears a lot on you, so I apologize for that. There's just so much that I wanted to, to throw at you and talk to you a little bit about here. We haven't really got into um, our, our draft um, – you know, breakdowns and looking at players and things like that quite yet. We've been focusing more on these trade rumors and, you know, free agency kind of possibilities for the Knicks. But I wanted to at least ask you, you know, during the combine, Tom Thibodeau was talked about uh, finding a wing that can shoot the basketball is, is somebody that they're trying to target here. Uh, and as the draft process breaks down, who do you think, if there's any players that you have been able to look at yet, yeah, maybe it's not a player, but what, what are some of the needs or something uh, that you're looking at for the Knicks for this upcoming draft? They have a lot of picks. Maybe are they looking to make some moves and, you know, trying to gain some players for the roster this year or move back for possible other years? Uh, just a outlook early on with this draft prospect. What do you, what do you expect from the Knicks? Yeah, I don't think it was like really breaking news when Tom Thibodeau said they wanted a wing who can shoot. Um, I think every NBA team wants a wing who can shoot. Every single Uh, team wants that. You know, I think if you watch the Knicks, you could tell they need a wing that can shoot. If he said we want a a starting point guard caliber player, that's also not really breaking. Like, they need everything. Like, um, you know, they were 41 and 31, but they're not like a deep roster. They don't, you know, especially since some of these young players are going to cycle out for them soon, already have. You know, with Noel Kina becoming a restricted free agent, Kevin Knox entering year four, and he hasn't really done anything in his career yet. Mitchell Robinson is about to be, um, you know, he could be a restricted free agent this summer or he'll be an unrestricted next summer if the Knicks don't re-sign him. Um, you know, like, they need to kind of restock the cupboard in terms of young prospects too. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I think for them, you just – especially at 19 and 21, like you don't draft for need. You just go best player available and they, they need pretty much everything. Um, so, you know, it seems like there could be some good players available at 
19 and 21. And also when you think there aren't any good players available, there still are because that's what the draft is. It's just a bit of a crapshoot. No one can really say for certain, right? Uh, That's why second round picks turn into good players too. So yeah, I I assume um, the Knicks will go best player available too. Now maybe that's someone who went to uh, Kentucky or has CAA ties based on what they did in the draft last year and have been comfortable with so far. Um, Or might not be. I don't know. Those things are hard to project. I would be kind of surprised that, and this is just my personal um, thinking if they made all three draft picks, 19, 21, and 32. Just I don't know if there's space on the roster for all those guys. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I think that they might be better served or we'll try to, you know, bundle at least two of them together to try to get a um, – to try to get a veteran some sort to try to help them for next season. You wrote about uh, potential options for trading up uh, for the athletic. Do you – see any of those teams as like realistic partners to move up? I'd be curious to see what like the Pelicans do um, with Eric Bledsoe and if they try to get off his contract and they try to use number 10 as a way to do that and they're willing to trade down. Um, You know, I was, you know, the Warriors are obviously no one really knows what they're going to do and they have two lottery picks, right? Uh, So you Mm -hmm. think they'll try to go for a big swing with number seven, especially, but maybe if they, think they can't do that and the Knicks can offer them either directly off their team or by facilitating a trade um, something for number 14 I I would not be surprised if they traded up you know the Thunder have three picks uh, ahead of them if I remember right off the top of my yes 616 and 18 like do they want to make all three picks Um, yeah there's a lot of possibilities for them I wouldn't be surprised if they traded up I think it's still too early to tell right now to see which way that's going to go yeah, well, next, the, year, uh, next year is the last year of Bledsoe's deal. The last fully guaranteed year of Bledsoe's right. deal. Right, and he has four years, I think, for the year – four million guaranteed for the year after yeah. that. Yeah, and also Kentucky guy. So it's – so right. So it'll be it'll be an option, I'm sure. It's interesting. And I know it, it was talked about a little bit this year, but it's it's interesting. I know he didn't have a great year this year, but Pelicans were a weird team this year. It's that's that's an interesting one, Bledsoe. It, dep- I guess yeah. it depends. Yeah, and he'd still be good enough to be the Knicks' starting point guard. Like he would oh still God. be an upgrade over Alfred Payton, I think. Um, he'd be an upgrade, yeah. And if that means like you know trading up nine spots, yeah, that would be something I'd do because it's essentially a one-year deal. You know, you you put him in a situation where next summer you get to make a decision, and only four million that is guaranteed, and I hell I wanted to they could also stretch wave that money over three years instead if they you know if they were really getting desperate for cap space um, but whenever you get to a guy just have one year left on his contract that becomes kind of a situation where you can manipulate the roster and the cap sheet uh, to make it work in your place I was actually going chip you read my mind right there about Eric Bledsoe because I'm thinking about the NBA finals and I know he was a part of Milwaukee and Phoenix and now from afar you having to having to watch those two teams play in the championship and, and Mike that's where I wanted to to go here uh with our last few minutes coming up between the Suns and the Bucks uh both teams you know Giannis with the injury didn't play the last few games Chris Paul has not been fully healthy in the playoffs but did not affect him much in the Western Conference Finals um you know outlook for this series uh what do you expect with these two teams squaring off for the championship man it depends so much on Giannis um I think if he you know he's obviously being the two-time MVP that he is uh you know I think he swings the series if he's healthy to me the Suns 
are the favorites if he's not. Like, I think that's just a really good team with two lead ball handlers, playmakers, scorers who can do things and make it happen with Paul and Devin Booker. Um, I've always been uh, a big Chris Paul fan. And so uh, now he's in the finals and it's kind of working for them to have those two guys put together. And DeAndre Ayton's obviously been very good and Macau Bridges and all them. Um, so that they're to me the favorites uh, if uh, if Giannis is not healthy and uh, if he is back and I think they just upgraded him to questionable I think I saw yeah. um, so if he's back you know and if he's mostly Giannis um, I think then it's kind of like a 50-50 type of series I the one thing that I have with the Bucks is if they're going to have enough scoring uh, to kind of keep up with the Suns not that the Suns are an offensive juggernaut but they have two guys who can create uh, their own shot and create for others. And I think the thing that we've seen with the Bucks, especially in that Brooklyn series, um, is that they don't, you know, Giannis and Drew Holiday aren't those guys right now in the playoffs. They kind of have trouble, especially if teams defend them a certain way. And so um, that'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously just very curious. I hope Giannis healthy because I just want to watch fun basketball for seven games. If you had a, let's say Bucks are healthy, right? Yeah. Giannis is healthy or, or at least playing like Giannis. Is this a possible seven-game series? That's the way yes. I looked at it coming in. I, I think I would not be surprised to see seven games and, and come down to winner-take-all right there. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to seven games even without Giannis. Okay. Um, but, I, but I think if he's there, I think for sure – I mean, not for sure, but I think that to me it just becomes a toss-up seven-game type of series. I think so too, even without Giannis, just because – I don't know what you're going to get from Middleton. He's such a wild card to me. He could go off. He could average 30 a game in this series, and I wouldn't be surprised. And he could also just have a, a rough mm-hmm. – he could come out tonight and have uh, – in game one and just have a brutal shooting performance. I don't know what you're going to get from him. He's so good, though. He really is good when he's on. But it'll be interesting. But as well as, as it, it seems the untime injuries of Chris Paul – I, I'm hoping that doesn't don't happen. Jinx him. Right? Don't you jinx know, him. Don't jinx him. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to. But you can't help but think about it. It happens all the time. I mean, for the most – it's even happened already this year. The only difference is about this season is his team have been able to win the games on the games that he's been out. <laughs> That's, you know, a big part of it. I hope not. I, I, I'll tell you this, Chip. I actually met somebody this week that's not a Chris Paul, uh, Chris Paul fan. I didn't think that existed. Most people th- this, don't he, like Chris Paul. Chris Paul. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of bristle at him. How do you hate Chris Paul? I love Chris Paul. This is a very pro Chris Paul podcast. This but is I, very I, pro. Yeah. Danny loves Chris Paul too, oh, but I think most people, especially after uh, the way he acted when he was with the, the Lob City Clippers, they pissed everyone off. Those Lob City Clippers. Team. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. understand how it gets under people's. Uh, you know, it gets under the nerves. Uh, you know, he's a very like charismatic on the floor guy. Like he's he's always uh, you know trying to like push people as far as they can go. I think Pat Beverly uh, probably doesn't like Chris Paul based <laughs> yeah. on him shoving him in the back at the end of that series. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not the only one, but I mean, I I love watching the play. Like he's a basketball genius. He. Yeah. Uh, you know, he manipulates the game um, like few others in the league, and it's just fun. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm hoping for a, a fun finals here. And, Mike, just as well, this playoffs was very different, right? Like, it wasn't your typical – I mean, this is the first time that Curry and LeBron's not in a final since, like, 
thousand and I, I don't even remember. It, it's it's been several years that one of those two guys had not been to a finals. Um, but this year was like the the young stars, right? Like the league got to see why it's in a pretty good place with the young players. You know, Luca. I know they they lost in that series, but got it to a game seven. Obviously, Trey Young, who I don't want to really talk about too much because I'm still salty. Uh, but he did play well, and they did go to the Eastern Conference uh, uh, Finals. You know, these these young stars, Devin Booker. Uh, these guys played well. Talk about that uh, being a positive thing for this league. As you look at some of these superstars that are kind of getting up there, Chris Paul's getting up there. You know, they, these guys are not going to be around forever. But to see that these young players have come in and shown they could be big-time performers, talk about what that means for the league. Yeah, I mean, it's good for the league uh, for sure. I mean, you always want more talent kind of um, in the pipeline. I, it's been fun watching Trey Young. Uh, break out and embrace being a villain and um, it's been fun Devin Booker watching Devin Booker do his thing and like DeAndre Aiden played I think better than I you know I expected and um, you know Luca is Luca and so it's just a matter of time before he gets to like a conference finals yeah I mean it's it's just it's fun to see to me like you know I don't I'm not one of those people who always needs to see LeBron um, or Steph in a finals like it's fun to see new faces to see new players and like you know, Giannis isn't exactly a new face because, again, he won the MVP the, each of the last two seasons and was the defense player of the year on top of that last season, too. Uh, but he's overcoming his own kind of, like, uh, playoff demons. So it, it's fun to see kind of new things arise and, and new players uh, get the opportunity to win a ring. Mike, I just have one more question for you before we get you out of here. We talked about the uh, the point guards earlier, and we talked about, like, Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry and some of the bigger names. And uh, it's a really deep point guard class, though. So, like, we yeah. have other guys we didn't really touch on, like Lonzo, Dinwiddie. Uh, is there any point guard that you're most curious about for the Knicks this offseason other than, like, CP3 and Lowry? Um, you know, I, I would be curious to see if they make a run at, uh, at, like I said, Dragic or Dinwiddie. I think those are types of players that would be helpful to them. Um, I don't know if they will. Like, and I, this is why I, I don't, I can't say right now that I know what the Knicks will try to do um, this offseason because there's so many different ways they can go and they have cap space available to them. And, you know, it is a deep free agent class. I think there's what, like Schroeder, Alonzo Ball, uh, Lowry, Dragic, Dinwiddie, Conley. Um, there's so many good point guards out there uh, this offseason um, that, uh, you know, they should be able to be in play for a few of them if they want to be, considering their cap space and the money that they have. Um, and so it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see which way they try to go and who they try to sign, because I think that also kind of dictate the type of style that they'll play offensively next season, too. Um, Thibodeau has always tried to play kind of to the strength of his best players on offense, at least. Um, and they need to get someone around Julius Randle to give him help. Um, you also have to uh, do enough this offseason to kind of guard against regression for the Knicks as well. You know, they had great shooting years and career best shooting years for Randle, for uh, RJ Barrett. Um, you know, I don't know if Reggie Bullock will be back. I don't know if Alec Burks will be back. And everyone's Noel. Like, and if they are, what if they play worse than they did this past season? Uh, so they have to, you know, you have to supplement the roster 
uh, not expecting the same players to play just as well as they did the year before. How do you well, think someone like Spencer Dinwiddie would fit with Julius Randle and RJ? Because he's someone that I've been like kind of on the fence about as a fit with this team. I, I mean, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be good. Like, you know, he's a guy who gets to the basket uh, if his knee is right and is fine. Um, you know, it's the second ACL tear. So, you mm-hmm. know, you're always, I think you have to have some concern about that, right, um, when you're trying to decide whether to invest a lot of money long-term in someone. But, yeah, if he's right, I, I mean, I think he adds kind of athleticism that they need and uh, the ability to get to the rim that they need. And so anytime – I think I've heard uh, Tom Thibodeau say it a bajillion times in press conferences yeah. this past season. You know, you want to get the defense breaking down and starting to move, uh, and that's how you create open shots is, is in their rotations and their reactions. Uh, to someone getting into the paint, breaking down the defense, and Dinwiddie can do that. Yeah. And you were, you were mentioned some of the guys there, you know, with the career years they had, and yeah, it's you you expect other teams might be in the mix for them, you know, right? They they had some big years. You know, there's going to be some competitions for those guys. But from the players that the Knicks could try to bring back, who's somebody that you think that the Knicks really should make it a priority to kind of keep from last year's roster? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I'd say, like, if they can get Alec Burks back at the right price, uh, that would be helpful. I, you know, same thing with Reggie Bullock um, and, you know, Nerlens Noel. I mean, to me, Nerlens Noel is kind of tied in with what they want to do with Mitchell Robinson long term. Um, you don't, I don't think that you need to spend a lot at center anymore. Mm-hmm. You can get good production and you can find, you know, above average starting centers um, for cheaper now just because of the way – uh, that they're being valued around the league. So I don't think that any of them are kind of must-bring-back must type of players. I, I think um, if you're savvy enough as a scouting department um, and with your analytics, like they can probably go out and find someone to replace those guys if they become too expensive. And, Mark, I just want to thank you again for uh, spending some time with us and joining us on the podcast. I knew I, we've thrown a lot at you, a lot of different topics, great insight uh, from you so we really appreciate you taking the time and, and we hope to have you on again uh, as the off season progresses the draft comes a little bit closer and uh, get some of your insights on that as well uh, so we appreciate you uh, stopping by today and, and doing the podcast with us yeah thanks guys for having me on and that's going to do it for the next state of mind podcast we'll be back soon <laughs>